Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Join Malani Chen. He is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow at the Hoover Institution. He's also a member of the Salem Radio Network editorial board. Good morning, Lonnie. How are you? Hey, Hugh. Good to be with you. Um, President Trump's Operation Warp Speed and Pfizer have combined to produce a vaccine that will be approved quickly because of the changes in FDA regulation. But you're a healthcare policy expert. We go from formula to vaccinated population. How and how quickly? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is going to depend on when the vaccine becomes widely available and whether we're able to distribute it widely to people. But look, the, the frontline workers, the medical professionals, they're going to get it first, uh, as they should, because they're the ones who are dealing with this every day. And, you know, the other thing, Hugh, is that we've also got other vaccines potentially coming online as well, not just the Pfizer one, but there's another one that's being produced by Moderna that we're also getting potentially good data on soon. So the future is very promising. Operation Warp Speed is very important. It was the thing that allowed for the regulatory barriers to be brought down so that this vaccine can come uh, from development to market much more quickly, much more efficiently, and then be made available to people much more easily. And so we we really should not uh, uh, understate the value of Operation Warp Speed. In fact, you can't overstate the value of it. It's such an important component of this whole thing. Now, in terms of keeping those barriers down, Lon, he, uh the, the bureaucracy is going to want to revert to norm. They had a lot of power uh, before Operation Warp Speed. And I can't I can't give President Trump enough credit for that. Will they return those barriers to pre-COVID levels? And by the way, uh, you know, God love the CDC. I love them. But they had regulated themselves on testing into a corner from which it was not easy to emerge. Yeah, I, I, I am concerned about uh, the broader regulatory structure going ahead. You know, the, the, the possibility that that gets more difficult again, the possibility that that raises barriers again to innovation and discovery. On COVID, I think we're OK because of warp speed. But a lot of those changes are very much temporary and they're very much only applicable to the current situation. So if we're going to continue to make progress and by the way, you know, we need to begin thinking about future pandemics and future possibilities that are out there in terms of challenges that are uh, that are going to be created. And if we don't have the right infrastructure in place, if we're not thinking about this the right way, we will get caught flat footed again. And, and we should not have that happen. And the kinds of changes that we've seen for COVID, for the development of the vaccine here, those are things that really should stay permanently. Now, I want to switch to Obamacare, Lonnie, quickly. Uh, the Supreme Court made it pretty clear in oral argument, as we knew beforehand, that the, Ameri- the Obamacare is not falling apart because of severance issues and, and, and severability is not going to bring down Obamacare. Uh, I think we will win Georgia if people have common sense ahead of them. That means a divided government. Is there a possibility that Obamacare's remnants can be made to work better through divided government? It certainly is possible. You could see how a Republican majority would make sure that Joe Biden walks a more centrist path on Obamacare and walks a path that, uh, that, that, that ensures that he doesn't try to do things, for example, like create a public option, which would create a massive government-run health care plan uh, that would eventually take over and swallow up a lot of private health insurance arrangements, that he doesn't go to Medicare for all, that he doesn't appoint an HHS secretary that's committed to socialist health care. That's why it's really important to have a Republican majority out there. Voters in Georgia need to understand the stakes are enormous. This is not just about two Senate races. This is about the fate of the next four years and possibly beyond 
and health care policy is going to be ground zero for this, Hugh. And military policy. I was just talking with uh, Mike Gallagher about military spending. Georgia, the home of many Air Force Army and, of course, a huge submarine base. They can't afford to let Democrats take control of armed services in the Senate. Uh, balanced uh, power between the House and the Senate will mean uh, steady defense appropriations. But back to health care for a moment. Uh, who is the, the leader of the Republican caucus on health care thinking in the Senate, Lon Hee Chen? Uh, well, I think there's a few people. Uh, you know, Senator Toomey has been a leader. Unfortunately, he's going to be leading the Senate soon uh, of Pennsylvania. He's been he's been very good. Senator Barrasso of Wyoming is someone who I think is going to continue to play a bigger role. Uh, I also look to uh, to folks like Marco Rubio and Tom Cotton, people who are increasing in national prominence. Of course, Marco ran for president in 2016, but both Marco Rubio and Tom Cotton are leaders in the Senate who I think will have more to say about health care going forward. Uh, it is such an important topic, Hugh. It's such a, a kitchen table issue, an issue that affects every American. And there are big problems with Obamacare still, things that need to get fixed. And so now, Lonnie, I've got to ask you very quickly. To, to be involved. Yeah. If, if the uh, president-elect appoints a never-Trumper, that is a red flag in front of 71 million Americans, a Jeff Flake or, or any of the never-Trumpers. If, however, he goes and gets a Rob Portman from a state with a Republican governor who can replace him with a Republican, or you just mentioned a Barrasso or somebody like that, that would be genuine unity for a place like HHS. What are the odds of that happening? Well, unfortunately, I don't think they're very high right now. It seems like a lot of the names they've thrown out are, are, are pretty classic uh, kind of Democrat progressive choices. But someone like Rob Portman would be exceptionally skilled, not just at HHS, by the way. There's a number of different things he can do. DHS. And, and I think a yeah. lot of people would see him. Yeah, he'd be great. Uh, but but you, you know, D.C., do they have the ability to stand against the left wing of their party and make a genuine, significant appointment? Well, if he wants to bring Republicans online and demonstrate that he's a, a true unity president, then, yeah, he's going to need to do that. Otherwise, it's more of the same. More of the same. Lonnie Chen, follow him on Twitter at Lonnie Chen. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.